Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Daly and tonight is Thursday, February 8th, 2024. It is, well, it's still Friday Eve for a couple of hours anyways. And I feel that with all the news that's been going on in Formula One over the past, well, (laughs) what, the past couple of weeks since the beginning of the year, since before the turn of the year, it seems like it's been one thing after another after another. Anyways, I feel like I might be back first thing tomorrow morning to do an emergency pod because there's been so many big stories going on, the latest of which is uh, this uh, you know developing story that Christian Horner is under investigation by Red Bull uh, for allegations of inappropriate behavior towards a female employee at Red Bull. Just uh, another mind-blowing and, you know, story that just came out of nowhere and just has me completely flabbergasted. Anyways, he's set to meet uh, with them and an independent uh, investigator, external investigator uh, on Friday. And you just know that when you're sitting down with the boss and somebody from HR, those things never go well. I mean, uh, I got downsized and laid off once. And I just remember getting called into a boss uh, or into the boss's office and somebody from HR was there as well. And you just know that that conversation is is never going to go well, you know, at least uh, for, for you. I mean, based on my own experience, that conversation did end uh, well because I ended up uh, being downsized and without a job. And this is many years ago. It's okay. I landed on my feet. Everything's okay now. But that is just a, a story that, of course, at this point, it's all allegations. If it's true, is just like, what were you doing, Christian? What were you thinking? Anyhow, we will uh, sit back and see how this uh, develops. And we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more uh, as we get into it. But Earlier this week, when I was uh, putting uh, things together, assembling stories and making notes to do the podcast this week, I came across this, uh, are we calling them tweets still? Are we calling them X's? X's to me, uh, I don't know, everyone, that feels like a bit of a a loaded term. So I don't know, I think I'm going to stick with tweets for now. That feels a little bit more more neutral. Anyways, I came across uh, came across a post on X uh, from a person by the name of Yepa H. Olison, and this was nicely summarized of all the things that have happened and it's not even a complete list. I think if you go into it, I think there's a lot more that uh, Yepa could have uh, included in this post. Uh, but he's done a very good job of uh, summing up the, the the events of the past six, eight weeks or so or something like that. Anyways, here is Yepa's uh, post tweet X, whatever you want to call it. So just to recap the events, Hamilton moves to Ferrari and Ready Bit is rejected. Steiner was canned. Horner may have to resign. Sauber can't be called steak. The Singapore GP might not be a thing. Barcelona GP might not be a thing. Chicago GP might be a thing. The Madrid GP is a thing. Suzuka is a thing until 2029 at least. The schedule might be extended to 30 races. 
three PUs per season limitation is increased to four. Sprint weekend format is changed. Leclerc Spotify was hacked. Norris extends with McLaren. Nick DeFries has to pay back his 250,000 euro racing loan. Australia is back as the season opener in 2025. Leclerc extends with Ferrari. And the Wolves accused and cleared of passing confidential insider info. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm sitting down because I feel like, well, I, I can't sit down. The only thing I can do from now is either stand up or lie down. But that is a lot to pack into one post. And like I say, that's not even complete. There's other stories out there as well that that are, are, are noteworthy. I mean, he didn't mention potentially Osaka getting a race, although what with the Suzuka being extended to 2029, that seems very unlikely now. The British Grand Prix is uh, extended now. I'm going to talk about that later in, in the show. So many other things going on. It's just absolutely amazing. And uh, of course, the the Andretti bid and the Hamilton uh, move to Ferrari, those are the two big stories of the offseason so far closely followed by what's going on with uh, with Christian Horner of course uh, Gunther Steiner getting the sack that's that's big news anytime a team principal gets uh, gets fired or you know not renewed i guess is the uh, the, the technical way or the correct way we should uh, should talk about that for Gunther and what happened at uh, at Haas these are all really really big things and we're we're not even close to starting the season yet well we are i mean we're still what about 3 weeks away from the very first race of the season and it just has been one thing after another, after another, and after another. So sit down, buckle up. The news is coming thick and fast, and we'll just uh, sit back and just try and absorb whatever we can because it seems like it's uh, almost too much to to try and take on board sometimes. Anyways, moving along, I feel that uh, it's finally the time to uh, address this, and uh, I just want to get this uh, out of the way. Mark Hamilton isn't with this uh, podcast uh, any longer, and um, I have really nothing further to add to that. I have no news about that. I haven't spoken to Mark since sometime in early December when we last did a podcast. Since then, I've maybe received eight or ten WhatsApp messages or something like that, and it was always, you know, very vague, very brief, very non-committal. When talk soon, you know, about what the future of the podcast has in store. And over the past week, you know, especially I had Josh come on the show last week, and that was something Josh and I had been planning to do for a very long time. We planned to do a show together last summer, but uh, he got laid off from the athletic and had some, you know, personal situation to take care of. So we decided to put that on the side. So. I decided it was time, and I talked to Josh all the time, you know, uh, so we, we felt it was a good time to pick that one up. And then, you know, that generated a lot of comments and, you know, rightfully so, but I'd been, hadn't wanted to say anything because I kept getting occasional messages from Mark. We got to talk about what the future of the show is, where we go from here. But, you know, he never would actually commit to anything and say, okay, I've got the time. Let's sit down. Let's talk. You know, what's on your, your mind kind of thing. So over the last couple of days, I've been getting quite a few messages. I've had, you know, screenshots from people that have uh, had messages from Mark where he just comes out and said, you know, I've left the podcast. I'm not there anymore. So he just hasn't had the courage to come and say that to me. And, you know, that's fine. Whatever. It's not your jam anymore. You got other priori priorities. Maybe you got a personal situation. I totally get it. I totally respect it. You know, I don't expect anything. This is something that... Uh, for the most part, is a hobby. It's a very an enjoyable hobby. I mean, sure, I'd love to make it uh, make it a living. I'm, I know Mark would too, but got to be realistic about uh, some uh, some things. But you know, if you want to move on and do other things, 
do me the courtesy. I have the right to hear that from your own, you know, from your own mouth, right? From, you know, not via a text message, not from somebody else saying, hey, Mark just sent me a message saying that he's not with the pod anymore. What's going on? And I really don't know a lot more other than, you know, he said that uh, a very brief message. He said he'd hit the wall. Uh, he felt that we had different ideas for the podcast, which I completely dis- uh, disagree with because I tried to sit down with him going back to last summer many times to look at the future of the show, talk about those sorts of things, and he wouldn't commit to it. All the, the, the meantime, I'm finding out more and more that, you know, he's talking to other people in the space. He was going off and doing this other podcast with some random people he'd connected with in the Middle East doing that stuff. I mean, that's cool. I mean, whatever, you know, that that's fine if that's what you, you want to do. But, you know, I, I, I'm very upset at that because I really considered Mark a, a good friend. And then all of a sudden, radio silence, nothing. I'm just kind of left, uh, left hanging and get uh, fed this uh, second and third hand uh, information from, from other people. Again, it is what it is. I'm very disappointed in that behavior because I think, you know, what, what is this high school? You know, do me the courtesy, tell me yourself, because when it comes down to it, that's a personal integrity issue. And, you know, I deserve better. The people of this podcast do better. If you want to move on, that's fine. Anyhow, so, you know, I'm going to keep on going with this podcast. I started this, uh, you know, back in 2016. That was still right in the thick of when uh, I was stu- still doing a lot of uh, soccer journalism, doing the podcast that uh, that I did with uh, you know my friend uh, Jorge Mendoza, which kind of wrapped up and kind of came to a natural conclusion during COVID because, well, you know, <laughs> COVID, right? <laughs> there was a lot of things going on. We all had different priorities, but that was a good thing because he had other things going on in his life. You know, he had just, uh, he, he and his wife had just uh, had their first child at that time and the whole pandemic thing. But I started really doing this a little, well, I wouldn't say anymore, but it became more of a focus during COVID because Formula One literally was the only thing going for the uh, for a very, very long time. And then, uh, well, I mean, Mark and I partnered up later that year and everyone knows the, the, the rest of the story from there. But like I say, I started in 2016, did a little bit on my own. My friend uh, Kevin Laramie from, uh, from Montreal, he joined in for a while. He went on to some other things as well, and you know that was fine. Just uh, didn't have the, the the time to do it. He's uh, very busy and uh, and other things, and so I kept on going uh, on my own. So the point is, I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. I'm more than happy to take on a challenge. More than happy to do the stuff uh, that I want to do with the show. It's it's interesting because, and I don't really talk a lot about my my, my personal situation. You got to give a little bit of background. Uh, over the past uh, several years, I've been working for a company. I was one of the the, the main people there. It wasn't my company, but I ran it like it uh, it was. All that uh, was kind of deferred to me. It started to take m- up more and more time, and I was getting paid well to do it. So there was that, but it was taking up way too much. There was not a very good work life balance. Had the opportunity to switch to the the the, the job that I have now, which has a great work life balance, lots of uh, vacation time to make up for all the years when I was working, uh, you know, in industry where, you know, I would never take my full allotment of vacation and always at the end of the year, it'd be like, are you carrying days over? You want to get it paid out? And it didn't matter if I had two weeks, three weeks, four weeks vacation or whatever. I never took every, I took enough of it. Anyways, when I left my last job as uh, you know, I'm a credentialed professional in, in, in my line of work, I had so many obligations. So I was in my new job that I was transitioning into. I was transitioning out of the old job, working two jobs, literally, uh, you know, from 
you know, nine to five and then from five till whatever in the evening, because I have professional obligations for, for projects and, and things like that, that I had to finish whether I wanted to or not. Besides a lot of the people were really good clients that, you know, I'd made a commitment to and needed to see it through. Those things started to wind down more and more as 2023 uh, went on. And finally, I got to the point where I've transitioned to a new role within my, uh, you know, the my current job. And it gives me even more free time on top of that. So that kind of kicked over at the beginning of this this year. And I'm really excited to be able to to focus on a lot more things, obviously spend more time with my family. That's a big one, you know, uh, obviously they mean a lot to me. I love them a lot and want to spend more time with my wife and my children, but be able to pick back up, uh, you know, these, these things like the podcast, other interests and other commitments I have outside of work and outside of my family. And this is uh, one of them. So it was, it was fun to do the show with Josh last week. I did have somebody lined up to come on today, which, you know, I decided to defer a week and I thought, well, you know, just let everybody know what's going on and then I'll bring uh, the, the next person on. I wanted to do more of these things. And in, in most cases, a lot of the people I've got lined up to, to come on the show, I would have been doing this uh, regardless uh, whether the Mark here was here or not. And uh, so, so here we are. I just thought that uh, it, it was just the right thing to do now that I have a little bit more information just to, to kind of pass that along. But like I say, I'm energized. I'm ready to to take on the fight, ready to revamp the show. It might take a little bit of time to kind of get it where, where I want to. I'm not really sure if I what, what I want to do in terms of, you know, partnering up with somebody in the future. Maybe. I'm not sure. I do intend to do a lot more collaborations with other people in the space. The Who I've got coming on next week is uh, someone that uh, I really love the work that they're doing. Can't wait to bring him on to talk to, to everyone and and do the show together. And there'll be things like that, you know, collaborations, you know, coming in and hosting for an episode. And then uh, last week I did have the live stream going on YouTube, going to do that more often. But that might uh, depend if it's just me. Hey, I don't mind turning on the camera and sitting there talking for, you know, an hour, whatever it might be. But when it comes to the guests, some people not always quite as comfortable to do the, you know, to do the camera thing, to do the video thing and, and live stream. And I totally get it. So we'll see how that goes. But if it's myself and, uh, you know, for sure I'll do, uh, do both because the, the live stream is, uh, you know, a lot of fun as well to pull up, uh, you know, listen to, I can't listen to the comments, but I can certainly <laughs> read the comments as we're, we're going along. And in the past, you know, that's uh, generated, uh, so some pretty good discussions and things as we've gone through the show. So totally intend uh, to keep uh, doing that uh, at some point. And then uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. So I appreciate the support. I appreciate all the messages that I've got over the past uh, the, the past week or so, especially when, uh, you know, I hear from people, hey, I heard what happened and just want to know that, uh, you know, we, we support you, that we're here and, you know, keep up the good work, you know, don't take it as too much of a setback and just do your thing. Like you said, that was a bit of a surprise to me, but uh, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support and uh, we'll just keep going. Like I said, never afraid of a challenge. I've been knocked down a million times. I'm a fighter. I've always gotten back up and, uh, and brush myself off. You know, it sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's difficult, but you know, just uh, keep on, keep on going. Right. 
All right. Well, let's uh, jump into the news now. That was a little bit longer than uh, I wanted to uh, devote to that. But um, just wanted to go through what's uh, going on out there in Formula One. We've seen a whole bunch of car reveals. We've seen Haas, Williams, Sauber, uh, Alpine, RB Cash App, whatever, Racing Bulls or whatever it is. was supposed to. They were supposed to debut today in Vegas. I haven't had the chance to go through and see everything. The one we've seen so far, I mean, apart from Alpine, Haas, Williams, and Sauber were all just delivery reveals. You know, we didn't actually see the new cars and, you know, that that is what it is. It seems like the days of like every team having like a real big gala launch and a, making it a real big thing are over. I mean, some of the teams do, some of the teams don't. And I'm not a big fan of like the the, the livery reveal, but whatever, it is what it is. I, I know that a lot of people seem nowadays to be disappointed in that because, uh, you know, I, they like the glitz, the glamours, the, the covers came off and a proper presentation was made for Ferrari or Red Bull or McLaren, whoever it was, to see the brand new car and not just the the delivery. But let, let's be honest, right? Like a lot of what these livery reveals are is just getting the sponsors' names out there, getting them the the exposure that uh, that they're obviously paying a lot of money for. But it is what it is. Um, anyways, the, the ones that we have left, so as I said, um, RB, Visa, Cash App, or whatever it was, is uh, when we just call them Toro Rosso again, or or Alpha Tauri, that just rolls off the tongue so much easier. They did, uh, we're supposed to have a reveal today in Vegas. Um, we're going to get a couple of days break here until we get uh, reveals from Aston Martin on the 12th and Ferrari on the 13th. That location for, for Ferrari is still to be confirmed. Mercedes and McLaren are both going to do their car launches or livery reveals on the 14th on, uh, on Valentine's Day at Silverstone. And then uh, next week on the 15th, a day later, last but certainly not least, Red Bull are going to do their car launch, livery launch, whatever you want to call it, whatever it turns out to be. They'll do that on the 15th, like I say, and that uh, date, uh, that's confirmed, but the location still to be confirmed. So uh, not really too sure what that's going to be. I do, I do, you know, delivery reveals, like I say, whatever. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool to see what the cars are going to look like when they get on the track. No real big deviation in what we've seen from McLaren the last couple of years. Still mostly that, uh, that, that black and papaya livery, you know, looks pretty sharp. You know, I, I kind of prefer all one or the other, but certainly breaking it up the way that they have isn't a, isn't a bad thing. Uh, the, uh, the, the has still kind of more of the same, you know, the basically the black, white, and red, the big MoneyGram logo on the side of the airbox, the Haas on the rear wing, uh, you know, still more or less the same. Uh, the Williams, a little bit of an evolution on the livery that we've seen la over the last year or so. More black and the, sort of the, the rich kind of like royal blues, dark blues on it looks uh, quite sharp as well. The, 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 the Sauber, the steak, the kick Sauber, whatever it is, we're just going to call them Sauber. Looks pretty cool with this, uh, you know, the black and this sort of like lime green, this neon green. That could be uh, pretty striking to see out on the uh, on the track. And then the Alpine, who launched their car just uh, early this uh, or earlier this week as well. Kind of an evolution of what we've seen before. You know, there's the black, the sort of that that French blue, the 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 pink, the white, and the blue of the BWT sponsorship. They're actually going to have uh, two two liveries for their car for uh, for Acon and Gasly. Um, they're going to have the main design that's going to run for 16 races, and then there's a second one that has a lot more pink to it. You know, that goes with the BWT will be uh, used at uh, eight of the other uh, races this year. So that's uh, that's kind of cool to see. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you know the 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 teams still to come apart from racing bulls or whatever you want to call it 
Uh, it's all the bigger teams still to come. Although we've seen McLaren is obviously a big team, but you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, they're still all to come. The, uh, the Aston Martin looking forward to, to see what their car looks like. You know, I've been a big fan, uh, you know, I've wanted to see them succeed for a, a couple of years. And, and of course, Aston Martin is one of those marks, one of those brands that it's just exciting, right? It's just, uh, it's a car that I'm never going to own just like a, a Ferrari and some of these like high end luxury, you know, vehicles, but you know, it, it's fun to look at them and uh, that, Unfortunately, the car hasn't always lived up to expectation, expectations or hype, but they look great. And that uh, seeing that uh, that iconic Aston Martin logo on the cars, the the British racing green to see that on the grid as well is uh, is pretty cool. And uh, like I say, it's an iconic mark, and it's good to see them in Formula One. But they got to do something with it. They got to win some races, or if they're not winning races, just don't start strong and then plummet through the race order like they did. Uh, or through the standings like they did uh, last season. Anyways, looking at the time here, I'm uh, I want to take a quick break and come back. Going to take a big deep breath and uh, kind of pull up my socks here from the the first half and kind of collect all my thoughts. Looking at uh, what I've got all you know lined up for the rest of the show here, and uh, we'll start talking about that in a moment. So please don't go away. I'll be right back after a short uh, break for a message from our sponsors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the podcast. So we're going to just uh, jump right into it. So the big story of the week uh, so far, obviously, is the... You know, the, the really the quite uh, shocking news that uh, that that came earlier this week that uh, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner is at the center of an internal hearing that's going to take place tomorrow morning or this morning, uh, Friday, uh, February 9th. And he's been at Red Bull uh, since uh, they were founded way back in 2005 after, you know, they took over the the old Jaguar team. He's going to be, uh, you know, face questions from an independent lawyer who's coming in to investigate uh, the, the the complaint. So the the parent company Red Bull uh, said that they're taking the allegations 
extremely seriously and uh, as well they they should do. So this is a, a story that came out earlier this week that um, that uh, and it was reported in uh, Telegraaf, which is a, a newspaper in the, the Netherlands, and uh, he denied the the allegations to them in this article. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation of what's uh, been going on out there um, over the past uh, couple of days. You know, there you know we're, we're not going to speculate too much because you know that hasn't really you know seen the light of day yet. So, you know, there there were some. You know, speculative comments made out there, but you know we're 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 not going to do that. I want to get slanderous or libel or libelous or anything like that, uh, obviously. But you know, it, it's quite uh, troubling. I think it's interesting because uh, James Valves, the uh, the team principal of uh, Williams, uh, he was interviewed uh, earlier this week on uh, Bloomberg uh, TV at the at their uh, F1. Uh, Oh, sorry, at the launch of their uh, Challenger for 2024 in New York, and when he was asked about so what was happening with uh, the allegations regarding Christian Horner, uh, it was you know he, he I think he really kind of hit the, the the nail on the head, and he said, "quote The sport itself, wind back 20 years ago, is a male dominated without question. If you had to ask me what makes up a team, it would be white, more likely than male, more likely than 40 years old, something in that ballpark. That's changing, and it's only positive that it's changing that uh, result. I can only control what happens within Williams, and what I can do within the environment is open to everyone's eyes. This is how it have to be, because the best ideas don't come from being a closed group of individuals. It comes from diversity. These allegations, allegations, I'm afraid I don't have any understanding of what's behind them and the significance of what has happened. Uh, so, uh, he goes on to say, all I can say is that it should never happen in our guard. We'll be entirely supportive in terms of fixing it and making sure we have a culture that is accepting of everyone end quote. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's troubling. Right. And David Coulthard, who is a, a former Red Bull driver, and I think also a, uh, an, uh, ambassador for the team. He said uh, basically that everybody gets uh, d- deserves their 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 moment to explain, and uh, he said after he you know read a, a statement for uh, you know for uh, regarding Christian Horner, and he said quote I think that's for now that's where we stand. I've seen all sorts of overreaction on social media. You know people calling for Christian to resign, for him to be suspended, all these sorts of things. But as always, everybody deserves their moment to, to be able to explain their position. I believe that uh, will be happening on Friday in Christian's case. I don't know about. About the other party involved, so maybe next week we'll have some clarity on this uh, particular situation. So, yeah, that's fair enough. Everybody gets uh, their, their chance to answer to you know the allegations against them. I just, uh, I hope for goodness sake, whatever happens, that uh, these things aren't uh, swept under the rug. The, 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 the rug that if he's done something wrong, absolutely he should face the consequences uh, for that. I mean, you know, everybody has the right to a safe and inclusive, uh, welcoming you know, workspace, and if he's done something egregious and. You know, all it's uh, really said is that uh, that's uh, unprofessional, inappropriate conduct. Read into that uh, what you will. Maybe they will release what the you know what what the transgression was. Maybe they won't. But you know, it's it's a very very serious thing. So you know what could happen, and it was nicely laid out in an article on the Guardian. They kind of laid out what's going to happening. So, so what's going to happen on Friday? He's going to meet with this uh, an independent external uh, investigator who are uh, is going to look into what they call allegations of inappropriate behavior of a controlling nature were made against him and became public knowledge this week. And then uh, they go on to say it should also be noted that this is not a court case, nor is it a tribunal or a hearing. So they go on to say, like, what is the format of the meeting? 
So he will make the case to the inquiry, which already has collected evidence from the uh, the, the the female employee who's made the allegations against uh, Christian Horner. They will consider the evidence and they will take it back to the parent company, uh, Red Bull, who will then uh, decide if they have to take uh, any action. So Christian would have the uh, the opportunity to take subsequent legal action as a result. And, um, well, they're quite uh, open in saying that there is no conclusion into the investigation that is ante- anticipated on Friday. Like I said off the top of the show, I'm keeping an open mind and considering everything else that has been happening recently in Formula One. There very well could be something significant to, to report uh, on Friday, so we'll just uh, wait and see. So... Again, I, I think it should be really made, uh, you know, quite plain that his career could absolutely be on the line. So if they find that uh, during the course of their inquiry that uh, that these allegations are are true and they're substantiated, but it would leave the, the 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 parent company Red Bull with little choice but to you know take him out of the the position that uh, that that he's in. I mean, you know, if something egregious has has happened and you know. It just would not be right for him to to remain as the team principal. Anyways, um, you know, there's, you know, they could penalize him in another form. Uh, you know, they, they could take, remove him as a CEO of Red Bull Racing, but maybe not as team principal. And then, you know, there's the possibility too that he's exonerated and then they'll try, well, at that point, they'll try to like distance themselves and put it uh, behind them as uh, quickly as possible, which, you know, makes sense and, and, and fair enough. Like I say, uh, as long as that is actually the case and they're not trying to, uh, you know, bury <laughs> what's happened. So, you know, it, it's interesting too, because it has larger repercussions for potentially for the team. And I think we should be just upfront and honest that people come first, you know, their, their main concern should not be the impact that it has on the team. If, uh, you know, the team suffers because of what, uh, you know, allegedly he's done, then that's on him. That's, that's not on the team. I mean, if he's done something that causes, you know, his removal from his uh, position as team principal and the team suffers as a result. Yeah. Like I say, I, I think that's hundred percent on, on him. They would have to remove him and try to get somebody else in to, to take over. I mean, it would obviously have a huge impact. I mean, they've been rebuilding that team for a very long time because over the the course of the past decade, go back to 2014, it was the start of all Mercedes all the time for all those years. Lewis winning championships, and then that you know that that one year when Nico Rosberg won his in 2016. All the dominance across the table there until we get to the you know a couple of years ago, Red Bull starts to you know breathe a little bit of life again. I mean they they'd won re- races over the past uh, decade or so, but you know it was the, just the odd race here there and podiums etc. It was all Mercedes, and uh, if it wasn't Mercedes during that time, it was uh, Ferrari and then occasionally Red Bull. But they've really come back in a big way. I mean, they they won four consecutive uh, championships when when Vettel was there in the late 2000s into the early teens, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, and then going to the turbo hybrid era and they just weren't quite the same in the, the switch to the, uh, the 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 hybrid turbo power. But they've come back and they've come back strong. And I mean, they're not just strong. I mean, they've been dominant for the past uh, couple of years. And there, there's plenty of uh, stories and uh, articles out there by pundits uh, already that this is going to be another year of uh, Max uh, Verstappen uh, dominance. But, you know, how long would that last? Because we, we saw last year that uh, there, there were some times where they did they did wobble a little bit, right? I mean, they they were still able to to pull it together and and still win all but one race. 
win the driver's championship, win the constructor's championship, break all these records. But it wasn't as though they were completely, you know, invulnerable. There there were some there there were some times when they were, you know, exposed to a certain degree. And uh, you know, Sergio Perez obviously had his challenges, but you know, removal of a major person that's involved in the operations of their team, like the team principal and, and Christian Horner, someone that's been there for almost two decades would uh, be 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 massive, right? Um there would be, you know, it would be a big PR nightmare for Formula One as a, as a whole. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it for a long time, the whole We Races One uh, campaign that they had a, a couple of years ago was just, uh, you know, I know that was more of uh, an inclusivity initiative to try and, you know, get more people into the sport and things like that. But I mean, just the message We Races One, you know, that uh, I think that's kind of disappeared. But, you know, certainly it would be a pretty bad look for them that, you know, he's removed for inappropriate uh, behavior towards a female uh, employee. And, you know, just the whole thing about like the old boys club that really, really, (laughs) that sort of stuff bugs me Uh, anyways. And then what would happen? Who could potentially come in and replace Christian Horner? I mean, I'm sure that would be a job a lot of people would uh, would obviously want uh, i mean the, the one person immediately comes to mind or a couple of people that uh, immediately come to mind there's uh you know there's Gunther Steiner who's without a job uh, you know was uh, you know let go by Haas not too long ago you got Mania B- Mattia Bonato who was you know let go from Ferrari last year you know you got Otmar Safnauer out there all people that uh, that that are proven i mean obviously people that uh, don't have the record of uh, Christian Horner but um certainly people out there. Anyways, we're going to keep an eye on that obviously over the, the, the days and hopefully not weeks ahead. Whatever happens, I hope that uh, that, that it's sorted out soon and that uh, one way or another Formula One uh, can uh, just uh, move forward and that justice and uh, and everything is uh, is properly done. Okay, I just want to go back and talk about Andretti again because it's, it's uh, the story that uh, just does not want to, uh, to, to go away. The first one is actually uh, some interesting commentary from Peter Windsor who's uh, been around Formula One for a, a very, very long time. Uh, he was uh, formerly a Ferrari. He was a team manager at, at, at Williams. And uh, he had some things uh, to say on his uh, YouTube live stream. And I'll just uh, read them out here. So uh, Peter Windsor had to say, quote, I'm absolutely appalled, I think, is the word the, at the way Formula One has rejected Michael Andretti. And let's say the Andretti thing, because Mario was for sure 100% behind all that and wanted to be involved have his name obviously on that team. And I think that the fact that they've rejected it is ridiculous. And beyond that, I think the reason they're giving are insulting. And about that one, we think Andretti would have benefited more from Formula One Association than vice versa. I mean, that is absolutely crass. And the prelude to that was saying, oh, well, the survey we did, what survey? What did people, what people did they ask? And if they asked those people who said, oh no, Andretti's not important in the world of motorsport, he wouldn't add anything to Formula One. You're asking the wrong people or you're asking the wrong questions because Mario Andretti with Michael and you've got to say Michael has achieved a massive amount as a team owner but Mario is the case study of the greatest racing driver of all time in many ways I mean the versatility of this guy and his commitment to Formula One when he was in Formula One and what he did for Formula One as an American I think it is just unconscionable that it has been rejected end quote Nicely summed up from from Peter uh, Windsor that uh, says it uh, just the way that, uh, that 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 it is, and I think he put a a couple of really good facts and opinions and points out there, and uh, I, I'm still absolutely shocked that uh, th- that they didn't get that bid. 
Um, so one of the big hanging points uh, said that uh, you know that uh, that uh, that Formula One had when it came to the Andretti bid that uh, ultimately was uh, rejected was the fact that they didn't have a power unit supplier in place and so they would be obviously very welcoming. They're very supportive, or at least that's what we're saying, about the partnership uh, with GM and they'd love to see an Andretti uh, team with a, an Andretti PU. But there was uh, a an understanding that they had with Renault uh, earlier that uh, you know that they would have customer engines, at least in the interim, until they were able to, to get that... Uh, partnership with GM up and running and get an engine developed that they could put into the car, you know, most likely in, well, not right away, but may, I think maybe it was 2028, 2028 or something like that. Anyways, so they said they had what they called a pre-contract, that, that, that's Renault that is, they said they had a pre-contract with Andretti to supply power units when it looked at, uh, you know, making an entry into Formula One. Apparently that uh, that deal fell apart last year and they have no formal arrangement with Andretti, <clears throat> excuse me, who are trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, after they got their, their bid uh, rejected uh, last year. Apparently, uh, Andretti still feel like uh, Renault is their preferred option for a customer deal. If they eventually do get the go-ahead to 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 join Formula One in 2026, uh, before they can get their own operation up and running in uh, in 2028, so I did have the date right. <laughs> it's a good thing to keep uh, keep notes. Uh, anyways, uh, Alpine VP of Motorsport uh, Bruno Famine said at uh, the 2020 car launch of uh, of his own team, "quote We had a pre-contract, and after nothing happened." Uh, but it was related to the condition for Andretti to have this entry. For the time being, they have no entry. I read like you what the FOM said about 2028. Let's see what will be the future after that, uh, end quote. So for me, not uh, really giving uh, a, a lot away there. And it's kind of like this chicken and egg uh, situation, right? Like, obviously, you need a car to get into Formula One. The car needs the engine. You know, they sort of have a deal with a engine supplier, but they don't. And their own engine supplier that they're, they're, they're looking to work with won't have a PU ready for another, you know, four years. So there's... <laughs> You know, there's uh, this sort of endless cycle and kind of people pointing fingers at uh, at each other as to, okay, well, what's actually going on here? And while well, they said, and this, they said, well, okay, okay. it gets a, a little bit uh, confusing, but, you know, it's... <laughs> It's just uh, the the whole situation is a a little bit silly. I mean, for me, the, the the whole Andretti bid thing. This is the the only real concern I have. Like myself, is just in and around what's going to happen with the power unit. Again, just like the the quote I read just now from from Peter Windsor, that whole Andretti benefiting from Formula One rather than vice versa. That's just a load of garbage. Uh, the other thing too, it sounds like there was a lot of confusion as to where Andretti's priorities were. Were like uh, FOM said that uh, they were going to deny it because they didn't uh, see the viability or the they, they saw a lot of problems around the fact that uh, they wanted to get on the team or get the the team on the grid in 2025, and they were going to go into a new regulatory cycle in 2026. And for a brand new team to basically you know design and build two different cars in the space of two years, they felt was just uh, you know a, a major red flag and a, a real no go and something that they couldn't get behind. And Andretti basically they came out and said, well, that's what we said when we kicked this process off. But you know when it came down to to reality, we we switched our focus to 2026, and we feel like we've been transparent about that. Then there's this whole crazy story about the fact that the uh, you know they were invited to go to 
to a, a meeting with the FOM, but they didn't get the the email, and apparently it got sent by a staffer, and it ended up in in Michael Andretti's uh, spam folder. And I don't know how much email Michael Andretti gets on a daily basis. I can imagine it would be a lot, but that just seems you know just like so silly because I thought that was interesting when I was reading the the the, the release denying. Uh, Andretti's bid and saying that uh, they extended an offer for the you know for uh, a meeting with Andretti and not only did they not accept they just didn't hear anything about it they never got a response from them and of course if it gets buried in a spam folder that's that's probably a, a very good reason for it but it just seemed odd like you would think that if you have somebody like Andretti who are spending hundreds of millions of dollars or up to a billion dollars to get their team on the grid and secure this bid that it would just be a major misstep on their behalf if they you know saying they they got that uh you got that invitation from FOM and they decided to say yeah, you know what we're good just, uh, we don't need to talk to you uh, we're 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 fine with our bid we'll just just look for our bid we're going to we'll, we'll courier it over to you or we'll we'll email it or whatever however these things are done nowadays i have no idea but it would just seem like such a ma- major oversight if Andretti had denied that so it just seems uh, very very funny and you know they've been pretty you know they've been pretty clear in what their desires are in uh, some of the communications that uh, that they've released over the past week andretti i mean rather than uh, fom about where they stand and what they'd like to see yet uh, or still and it seems like they're still committed to to, to moving forward with that and hadn't uh, completely lost hope that they uh, may still be able to to meet with the fom at some point and and get that uh, that that grid slot there again it just feels like the you know the club you know i'm doing inverted commas here is decided to circle the, the the wagons it just feels like you know shops closed nobody else is getting in for the time being regardless if it's uh, Michael Andretti or uh, or anyone else, because remember with that expression of interest that went on uh, in that cycle when Andretti put their their bid package in, or you know their expression of interest to to say they wanted to get on the Formula One bid, there were the two to three other groups as well that in, were interested in joining Formula One as well. Because there was some point or some some speculation at some point that it wasn't going to be one team but potentially two teams. And apart from that, Andretti, all the others, at least for the time being, were all ruled out. Uh, you know, there, you know, there weren't really too many uh, reasons given. But it just, uh, you know, it seemed like the Andretti one was going to be the most uh, most viable one. But obviously, if they don't have a uh, you know a deal set up for a customer team or a customer supply of um, engines for their team, that's obviously a, a major hurdle. But it seems so funny that if you kind of go back a couple of years ago, I think sort of 2018, 2019 or whatever, we had this whole bizarre situation with um, with Honda. And then we had like Carlos Sainz, who was at Toro Rosso. And then this whole shifting around of drivers and engines. And then you get uh, ended up with Toro Rosso. We, we had Norris, or sorry, you had uh, Sainz going to... Uh, from Toro Rosso to McLaren, and then Toro Rosso ends up getting, uh, dumping the Ferrari customer power units and getting the Honda engines. And then you have Red Bull, who's been complaining about Renault power for years. I mean, I remember even 10 years ago going into the uh, the, the start of the V6 turbo hybrid uh, unit uh, era that uh, Christian Horner was complaining about then. Um, anyhow, there was this whole thing about like, they, they still had the deal with Renault. Honda at that point were kind of uh, a little bit in, 
no man's land, if you want to call him, or threatening to leave for a Formula One. Bernie Ecclestone stepped in and kind of made some bizarre deal that I still to this day can't even really get my mind around. Science moves around, all these engine manufacturers start switching deals and things like that. You get this bizarre situation where you have Red Bull, like I say, still with the Renaults. They get the Hondas and the uh, and the Toro Rosos. They basically get this opportunity to test the the, the Honda engines in their in their junior team and uh, in a try before you can buy scenario which must have been infuriating for the other nine teams i mean where were eight teams uh, i should say that uh, that that red bull was able to basically get all that data and real world feedback from their from their junior team uh, toro rosso and then kind of the try before you buy because i mean when they put that uh, honda in the back of the, the the red bull in 2019 you could tell that it was going to be pretty competitive because they said at the time that uh, they were going to at least deliver the same that they were getting previously with the renault results wise and they pretty much did that first year and then it just got better and better and better ever since and it's just a a major thing um anyways yeah, the, the whole Andretti thing, you'd have to think, uh, just sort of, sort of close up this uh, thought before I go into a, a break here, that if they really wanted to get this uh, this deal done, you would think there, there would be a way to get to engines uh, for them. But, uh, you know, the whole concept of like a pre-contract with uh, with Alpine for Renault engines and, you know, the, the way that they're kind of like, well, yeah, we had a, a, a pre-contract, but you know, we're not going to sign a deal with them until they get like a, a deal to join Formula One. But Formula One saying to Andretti, you can't join Formula One unless you have an engine supplier. It just feels like this uh, ridiculous standoff and it's not going to resolve itself uh, anytime soon. So who knows? Again, this uh, Andretti situation uh, just seems to kind of uh, be a, a story that keeps on giving, uh, you know, like at least, uh, you know, quotables here and there. And uh, I'm sure it's going to linger for for some time yet. All right, time for another break. And we come back uh, on the other side and we're going to talk about, well, Lewis Hamilton. That's still a big story this week, a week on from his shock announcement that uh, he'll be leaving uh, Mercedes AMG Patronus at the end of this year and moving to Scuderia Ferrari. And we're going to talk about that uh, and a bunch of other stories. And we'll do that starting in just a moment after another break from our sponsors. All right, welcome back. And yeah, just during the the break there, I was just uh, looking up and uh, did find some pictures of the uh, the the new V Carb Zero, which is I guess the abbreviation for the Visa Cash App Racing Bull Zero One. And it looks like uh, they've backtracked a little bit, uh, well, quite a bit from the uh, the livery that we've seen on the Alpha Towers over the past couple of years, which is a predominantly white and uh, and navy blue, which I thought was a livery work that, that worked uh, pretty good. Anyways, we kind of see more of a, a, a you know, a, a bluey kind of like purple with some red and some silver and some white on it. It looks more like, um, I guess we, I guess you could say it looks more like a Toro Rosso from a couple of years ago before they rebranded to, to Alpha Tauri. So I guess what's old is new again, but I mean, it looks okay. It's just, a, of course, the v-carb zero one maybe is that what we're going to call it we're we just going to call that team v-carb <laughs> that might be the the easiest way to get that uh that very very difficult uh teammate name out of uh uh you know out of our mouths it's just uh, too tricky and you know i get it i i get that these teams are extraordinarily expensive to run and they rely on sponsors and things like that but 
you know, it's just that when you get like all these sponsor names, you know, integrated into the team name itself, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a purist, but I feel like it takes a, a little bit away from it. So I, maybe I, I feel a little bit more, you know, respect for Ferrari where they just have like Scuderia Ferrari. I mean, team Ferrari, I mean, Scuderia is team in Italian and, uh, you know, cause all the rest of them, cause I mean, it's Oracle Red Bull racing and uh, Mercedes AMG F1 Patronus or whatever it is, et cetera. Right. So, I mean, I get it. It's just, uh, from a purist point of view, I, I, I'm not a fan of hearing all those things there, but you know, like I say, the, these, these folks, these, uh, these big corporations pay massive amounts of money to get their, their, their corporate logos and, uh, branding onto these cars, onto driver's helmets and overalls and gloves and literally everything that uh, they they do and uh, up in the inside the uh, the garages and what whatnot the sponsorship does you know make that uh, sport run because it is horribly expensive. Anyway, so let's uh, talk about uh, Lewis's um, big move again to uh, to uh, Ferrari from uh, Mercedes. Uh, Carlos Sainz has uh, you know been saying a couple of things uh, this week and a little bit understated. He, he said that uh, losing his seat to Lewis uh, for 2025 was uh, not the best feeling, but is still determined and uh, committed to give his all for Ferrari for his last season here uh, coming up in 2024. Anyway, Sainz told uh, Sky Italia this week, quote, it's certainly not the best feeling to start the season, but the moment I put the helmet on in Bahrain to take to the track, the only sensation I'll feel will be the desire to go faster and faster and also aiming for victory in the world championship. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm not disappointed. Experiencing Ferrari from the inside already knew several things and I prepared myself with the team in view of future changes. As I said, however, I don't want to think about anything other than giving my all this season in uh, what awaits with uh, me with Ferrari. I'm calm. We know that uh, we have a very important season ahead of us. This will be my last year in Ferrari, so I want to do the best that I can. I'm also training with the carts to give my best when I'm out, uh, on the track. End quote. So there we go. So apparently science has uh, been linked to, to a couple other drives uh, elsewhere in the Formula One world. Uh, one of them, interestingly, would be uh, Sauber, which, uh, you know, after next season will become the Audi uh, works team in uh, 2026. So, you know, it's it's not that uh, Carlos is going to be, uh, you know, lands uh, somewhere outside of uh, Formula One. I think he's still got a, a lot to give the, the, the sports and, you know, it's, he could have you know, I don't want to say he could have done more, give more for Ferrari. I think he's, uh, for, for the most part, has done a, a pretty good uh, job. I mean, even Charles Leclerc, who a lot of people tout as a potential uh, future world champion, has uh, been a, a bumpy time since he joined the team, or yeah, joined the team in 2019. And um, Science, I think, has done a, a fairly decent uh, job as well. Whether or not uh, he's the, 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 the driver to lead them to world championship glory, Another question, obviously, Ferrari don't think that he is, and they've decided to go with the Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc pairing, which, you know, that that is interesting, right? It's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing these two as, uh, as teammates. And as I'd uh, been talking about last week, when Charles was partnered with uh, another, uh, you know, multiple world champion who was at the end of his career, you know, AKA Sebastian Vettel a couple of years ago, he certainly did, uh, didn't hold back. And, uh, I don't think that, uh, he's going to hold back, uh, at all when, uh, once Lewis gets there. And I think it's going to be a good challenge for, for both of them. When you think about it, I think Charles is what are going to prove that, uh, that, that he's at least as fast as, if not faster than, than, than Lewis and, uh, you know, deserves number one status, which they've never really given him, uh, in the partnership uh, with science, which I think is a little bit kind of strange because 
I, I think there's no real debate that Charles is the you know the better of the two drivers. Anyways, going back to the partnership with uh, with Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc, I think it's a a good situation for Lewis as well. I think that uh, that Charles is going to be. I wouldn't say an upgrade, but a definite, uh, you know, tougher challenge as a teammate compared to to George Russell. I, I think George is a very good uh, driver. I think that he's got the potential to to win races in uh, in, in Formula One. But I think that uh, that Charles is just that much more, uh, you know, uh, just faster. I think he's he's got a lot more of you know it when it comes to you know uh, <laughs> the intangibles that make uh you know a race winner and uh, all the things that you do to, to get people talking to you uh, about you in those ways as a, as a potential uh, world champion anyways uh, some of the uh, other things uh, quotes uh, that came out of that interview with Carlos Sainz uh, with Sky Italia uh, just uh, finished reading this up. Uh, he wanted to say, quote, I'm aware of how much I'm worth as a driver. For this reason, when I look at the future, I'm very calm. Good things will definitely come. But for now, my goal is to give my best with Ferrari. In my career, I've always made steps forward, improving more every year. This has always been and always will be my philosophy. And it will be the same this year. In 2024, I will turn 30, but I feel younger and more motivated than ever. End quote. Well, I am definitely not 30 anymore and uh that just makes me feel really old but uh, i can certainly identify with the uh, uh the uh you know the feeling younger than ever and feeling motivated uh, comment uh, as well um just kind of moving along some of the other reaction around in the 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 uh, the, the paddock uh, pierre de Gasly, the alpine driver uh who's a good friend of uh, charles leclerc i mean uh Gasly is French, uh, Charles is Monegasque, and uh, also has, uh, and Gasly that is, uh, also has a lot of contact with Lewis Hamilton, said that uh, the, the news of uh, Lewis switch to Tamaro didn't actually catch him completely by surprise. Um, he was talking about it, uh, Gasly that is, at the Alpine launch earlier this week at uh, at Enstone, uh, said that uh, he he felt like something had been going on between Lewis and Ferrari for, for some time. And I don't think there's anything really surprising in that because we, we know, I mean, those stories about Lewis uh, meeting and speaking with John Elka and the uh, over at, uh, at Ferrari had been going on for, for some time. Uh, anyways, uh, Gasly had to say, quote, uh, obviously he's been a long time with Mercedes, but is aware of some talks with Ferrari. Ultimately, he's towards the end of his career, so it was either now or never. I think it was kept a secret for quite a long time. I just wish him the best. Obviously, it's sort of exciting with the driver market and all of you guys come with it, which is normal. But I think ultimately for the sport, he's the most successful driver of all time. Joining a new project, a new challenge, I'm sure everybody will be following it very closely. Uh, he went on to say just uh, regarding uh, what was happening with Carlos Sainz losing a seat to Hamilton quote what's fair in F1 first of all I think Carlos is a great driver Lewis is a fantastic driver the best of all time so on that side of things I think there was an opportunity on both sides I think Ferrari and Lewis took it together obviously it leaves Carlos in a trickier situation it's not easy end quote obviously it's not easy but uh, very very interesting to see what's uh, what's going on and, and another name that we, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about this uh, driver, and that's um, Valtteri Bottas. Obviously, he's been at uh, Alfa Romeo, Sauber, slash Kick, Sauber, whatever it is, for the past uh, couple of years. But um, he's entering what he calls a contract year of, uh, at Sauber uh, before they are completely taken over and rebranded as Audi for 2026. 
Uh, anyways, um, he did have a couple of things to say and uh, just uh, about himself. And uh, Valtteri Bottas said, quote, it's no lie. I was in Brackley the day before, actually. And uh, he's just referring to uh, Lewis's uh, Instagram's uh, story or the, the Instagram story he posted before Hamilton's uh, move to Ferrari was announced. Anyways, he said, not at the Mercedes factory, but I was doing some other stuff. No, we haven't spoken on the phone yet with Total Wolf. Um, And I would go back. Yeah. Uh, Well, obviously my priority and biggest commitment is the Audi project, which is my target. But if that wouldn't happen, there's no team that I would not go to. Perhaps I know my priorities and I've got a list. Um, So he goes on to talk about uh, some more things, Um, talking about Lewis Hamilton uh, he said, quote, I think it's uh, good for him. It's a big opportunity. It's a big move. And obviously he's made the decision himself. I'm happy for him. And uh, for sure, that's now going to escalate some movement to the market for 2025. So at the moment, it's quite hard to predict how it's going to go. I never imagined it would happen and also the timing of it. But I'm happy for him because it's good for him. I think it's a great challenge. I'm sure the big motivation for him is to bring Ferrari to the top. So it's kind of cool and it will definitely create some sort of movement for the future, which is good for the whole sport. And uh, for some drivers, for sure, end quote. So, you know, I mean, yeah, isn't that kind of like an interesting situation for for Valtteri Bottas? I mean, he did a really, really good job when he was at uh, Mercedes. He was driving for Williams at the time when uh, Rosberg retired after winning his championship in 2016. Uh, Bottas uh, was brought in. He was always going to be that uh, that that driver that uh, that Nico Rosberg wasn't. You know, when compared to to Lewis Hamilton, I mean, that relationship that ha- ha- you know Hamilton had with uh, with Rosberg that just deteriorated and just got worse and worse over time. Rosberg wins his one championship and decides, you know, that's it, that's good, I'm done. I don't need to need to go through this again and try and fight out another uh, world championship with Lewis Hamilton. So I'm just going to call it a career. I'm going to take my toys and go home, so to speak. Anyways, Bottas comes in, he wins races, he helps uh, Mercedes uh, win, uh, you know, constructor championship after constructor championship. And, you know, he was just obviously going to do that job. And, you know, the times that he did win races, they were well-deserved, but he wasn't going to be that uh, that one driver that was going to push Lewis all the time. And I always felt like a little bit bad for him when uh, Total Wolf said um, at the Russian Grand Prix one uh, one year that, you know, he was like the perfect wingman. You know, that was obviously a, a Freudian slip that, you know, Toto said the quiet part out loud. And I mean, I, I think that's how a lot of people kind of viewed uh, the, you know, his role within the team, but he did a great job for them. And, you know, potentially do they go back and knock on his door? You know, what an opportunity for, for Valtteri Bottas I mean, to, to go back to the team that, uh, you know, he has had success with, or do you stick it out and want to stick, uh, you know, stay with the team we were with you at now, knowing that it's going to become the Audi's works team in a couple of years. So very interesting, but you know, th- there's still so many names kind of like floating out there. And the one that uh, keeps uh, coming up again and again and again in relation to taking Lewis's uh, you know, vacant seat at uh, Mercedes again is, is uh, Fernando Alonso. And honestly, I wouldn't be uh, you know shocked to see if that, uh, that, that does happen at some point. It very well could happen because Fernando, among anything else, has always been a little bit of an opportunist. Let's face it. He knows how to look out for number one, like of all the things that have happened. And, you know, he's burned a lot of bridges in in Formula One. He's always managed to kind of like level up uh, every time. Well, maybe not all the time, but that return to McLaren in 2015 was, uh, didn't really go all that great, but I mean, he joined at a time when they just got the Honda power units and that project was many years behind 
the the the, the projects that uh, Ferrari, Renault, and uh, Mercedes had, uh, you know, for the V6 uh, turbo hybrid engines. Uh, they started late. They came in a year after everyone else, and it was clear that engine wasn't up to scratch then. But you know, he goes away from Formula One. He goes uh, does uh, you know some racing in Indy. You know, he goes and wins at the Le Mans. He does uh, that sort of stuff. Then comes back to uh, to, to Formula One again, and you know has uh, has a go at uh, Alpine. Then gets into Alfa Romeo. Sorry, not Alfa Romeo, but Aston Martin. And it was amazing last year, right? I mean, at the start of the season when it was uh, it was Red Bull and then Aston Martin and then literally nobody else, uh, it was it was fun to watch and it was interesting too because Fernando for me is such a complicated driver and he's someone that I've kind of had like a love hate relationship over the years. So basically, before twenty twenty three, I hated him, and then like, you know he's just he's one of those drivers, right? He's he's a polarizing driver. You either love Fernando Alonso or you don't, and I, I don't think that's uh, an unfair thing to say about uh, uh, about him but uh, certainly last year it it was fun to watch it was it was good stuff watching what fernando was doing with that aston martin the points that he was collecting all the podiums that he was uh, you know scoring at the especially in the first third of the season until things really start to to go sideways for for that team and it was amazing too because you know that that sort of that real edge that uh, that real you know, I don't don't even know what the the word is other than edge that uh, that he had to his personality to his character that that didn't seem to be there as much. And uh, I just to kind of go back and think about um, him talking to Danica Patrick at uh, the Miami Grand Prix. Here's Fernando, big smile, ear to ear, laughing, chuckling, having a great time. You know, talking to Danica, and that was just that one instance. There was I noticed you know many more kind of you know moments like that with uh, Fernando, and then. But as time went on, you know, the team started to struggle a little bit more, you know, the, 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 the upgrades and the way that they tried to develop the, uh, the, the car last year, the AMR 23 just didn't work out. It, uh, you know, that uh, development kind of stalled and then uh, they, they regressed and sort of kind of, uh, showed a little bit of signs of life towards the end of the season. But, uh, you know, that's that really edgy outspoken at times, a little bit sort of vicious in nature, Fernando Alonso with the comments didn't really come back, you know, took it all in stride. And, uh, <laughs> I have to fair, you know, be fair about it. I mean, I feel like he kind of won me over after all, all these years of, Oh, Fernando, oh, I don't like that guy very much. You know, he sees too much of uh, thinking uh, about himself and looking out for himself. I really came around uh, last year, but the point is now that as as interesting as a, a position that Valtteri Bottas finds himself in is, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, either sticking with the uh, Sauber at the moment and going into the Audi program in 26 or Fernando Alonso, who's at uh, Aston Martin. And, and I hope that team moves forward this year. I really do. Um, you know, could he potentially move to, uh, to, to, to Mercedes and, you know, could it be somebody else? You know, it's going to be a fun story to talk about until Mercedes actually decide on who's going to take Lewis Hamilton's uh, seat in 2025. And, uh, and, and well, let, let, let's be honest. It'll, it'll be fun to talk about once they do confirm who is taking that seat uh, once Lewis leaves uh, next year. Okay, uh, just to move on to, uh, you know, th- this is nothing really too shocking. This was just a, an in- interesting uh, uh, article that I saw by uh, Roberto Cinchero on uh, motorsport.com. I don't think this is really shocking, but uh, apparently uh, Lewis Hamilton has what they call a no poaching clause in his contract at Mercedes to to prevent him dragging a bunch of uh, key Mercedes uh, personnel 
over to uh, Ferrari with him. I don't think that's uh, really too shocking. I mean, we would see things like that uh, for for people that uh, have other you know jobs, high level jobs at other you know big corporations and and, and things like that because. You know, it's it's, it's a huge hit that uh, they're going to have you know face once Lewis leaves that team. But if he was to to drag, say, for example, his race engineer uh, Peter Bonington, and let's face it, Lewis and Peter, uh, you know, Bono have developed this really good working relationship uh, over the years. I mean, he does uh, a very very good job as uh, Lewis's uh, race engineer, and the uh, the record that these two have put together has been uh, amazing because there were a lot of uh, you know funny comments and memes and jokes. You know all the all the comics were out last week after Lewis's move to Ferrari was announced, and so say, well, like yeah, basically like the, the the gist of it was, well, Lewis is going to Ferrari now. Can you imagine Lewis having to try and survive with all the uh, you know all the ineptitude and bad calls that uh, that they've made uh, you know at that team over the you know last number of years. And then it just sort of seemed like a little bit of a, a given that uh, maybe Bono would go along. I mean, Total Wolf said that he would talk to Bono about it, but, you know, I can't see him leaving right away to join Lewis Hamilton. And it's it would be interesting, too, if he decided to say, well, you know, I quit right now. I'm going to go into my gardening leave. You know, this whole concept of gardening leave. Well, it's such a funny, uh, you know, such a British term, right? That uh, somebody could, you know, walk away from a team and then basically sit at home for a year or 18 months or whatever the terms of the contract are before they can, you know, join another team in Formula One. And, you know, that's fair enough. I mean, they're all privy to some very, you know, sensitive and important, uh, you know, information to each one of these teams. But it would be interesting if Bono does decide to go and join Lewis at uh, Ferrari would, uh, would Ferrari or sorry, would Mercedes do them a favor and say, yeah, Bono, you know what? It's all good. You know, you just go right now. You go with Lewis. I don't think they're going to be that generous. I have a feeling that, uh, that Bono will go to Ferrari and, uh, you know, he'll go and sit at home and do his uh, period of gardening leave. And you have to think if that's the case, like, when do you do that? Do you try and, uh, see if you can, uh, end that relationship now and sit at home for 2024. And then, you know, Lewis gets another race engineer for this year and then they rejoin each other next year or halfway through the 2025 season or whatever it is. If, uh, you know, Bono decided to quit Mercedes and, uh, you know, started gardening leave, you know, next week, for example, right. There's a, a lot of uh, different ways, but uh, that could play out, but it, it would just make sense, right? I mean, they've had so much success together over the years, but I guess the big question is, can Bono and Lewis, if that's what they want, if they want to continue the working relationship they have with each other, can they come to a conclusion or figure something out now and uh, you know get the timing set up that that when Lewis gets to Ferrari, that maybe he has to do without Bono now in the in, in the in the near term, uh, the short term, knowing that he has one more year at, uh, left at Mercedes and that they'll be reunited next year at Ferrari, or might it be that you know they race together one last year at uh, Mercedes and then Bono goes on to gardening gardening leave, and then they uh, you know join again in 2026. Who knows? Again, uh, there, there's so much speculation when it comes to things like this in, the, in Formula One and just like so many other uh, discussions and, uh, you know, the crystal ball sessions we have when it comes to drivers and other team personnel. This uh, could be a fun one uh, to watch as well. Anyways, one time or time for one more final break and a comeback. Got a couple more things just to talk about when it comes to uh, Lewis and his move to uh, Ferrari. Just 
uh, you know, some other names that are kind of like thrown into the, the mix there. Talk about that in a moment. I'm going to open up X right now. And I uh, know there was a, a whole bunch of uh, messages that uh, came in earlier this evening. So I want to cue those up as well. Anyways, uh, don't go away. Be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back. One last segment here, a couple more things just to go through. So James Voles, who is the uh, team principal at, um, at uh, I was going to say Mercedes. <laughs> no, not yet, James. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, keep your powder dry. It's uh, You're still team principal over at, uh, at Williams. Anyways, uh, Voles uh, believes that uh, Mercedes will come back stronger after uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, leaves uh, next uh, next season. Uh, he said at the, the Williams launch uh, earlier this uh, week, quote, I think it's actually good for the sport. It'll be good for Lewis because he'll learn from it and he will challenge himself. It's not good for Mercedes in the short term, but actually I think you're going to see they're going to be absolutely fine on where they get to on drivers. They have a strong lineup they can pick from. They will come back stronger as a result. So ultimately, it's a good thing all around in time, end quote. So interesting insight from uh, Voles, who was a longtime employee over at uh, Mercedes. So Esteban Ocon, who's the uh, Alpine driver, he uh, retains what he calls strong links to Mercedes and is uh, one of those names that's kind of in the rumor mill of uh, a possible uh, replacement. Uh, at the Alpine, uh, sorry, the Alpine uh, revealed this week, Ocon said, quote, I've always had strong links with Mercedes. I'm still a Merck junior driver. This always has been, even if I'm not a junior anymore, I'm still contracted with them at some stage. So it is how it is. We'll see. At the moment, I'm totally dedicated to Alpine. That's my focus. I need to do a good job on the track as always. Every year, it is a crucial year in F1 because it doesn't matter if you're a contract or not. If you don't perform, you can be out. That's how it is. If you do a strong job, there will always be talks, rumors, and good things for you. As long as we talk about you, it means you do uh, a good job on the track. End quote. So there you go. Certainly uh, not a name to count out. And uh, let's not forget that Esteban Alcon recently sat out a year of Formula One, didn't have a seat and uh, was a, res- a reserve driver with uh, Mercedes uh, for, for one year. What was that, 2021, 2020? I can't remember. Just uh, a couple of years ago before getting the seat uh, with uh, with Alpine. Um, Alpine, just uh, sticking with them, they've uh, hired a new uh, COO and uh, that is uh, a, a fellow by the name of John Woods, who is a Group Lotus and former McLaren automotive uh, person. So he'll uh, slide into that role. Um, another quick hit here, a couple of them. Uh, so Sauber apparently won't be able to use the stake name. They're sponsored every uh, F1 race uh, this year. Uh, so they had stake backing uh, for the first time last year, and it was kind of even integrated uh, for the uh, you know into the team name as well. But anyways, uh, there's some countries that have uh, you know the, the gambling thing isn't permitted or you know permitted when it comes to names and logos and things like that. Stake have a sister company which is called Kick, and they have uh, you know they were producing a special livery for the Belgian Grand Prix. So. You know, going back to that uh, tree, uh, sorry, tweet uh, at the beginning of the show from uh, Yepa Olison about, uh, say, you know, they're, they're not going to be steak sour or anything like that. You know, like I say, it's confusing, but at least the car looks kind of cool. You know, the, the carbon fiber, the black carbon fiber, that neon, it almost looks like a metallic green on it could uh, be uh, pretty cool. 
as well. Uh, one final story before I just uh, delve into the mailbag here. So uh, good news for fans of the British Grand Prix and specifically for fans of Silverstone, who I would count myself as one. They have now announced uh, a deal to keep the British Grand Prix at Silverstone for another decade. And they're going to be there at uh, at Silverstone at least until 2024. Uh, in a post on social media earlier today, Silverstone announced, quote, 10 more years. We're delighted to announce Silverstone will remain on the F1 calendar until at least 2034. And they had a nice montage video featuring uh, some uh, some F1 drivers, including George Russell and Lando Norris. Okay, let's jump into the mailbag. And there's quite a few. So uh, first one from uh, at Innovation Festival at Innov Fest. What is the biggest news to you over the last two weeks? Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, right off the top of the show, that uh, that that tweet I referenced a couple of times now from Yepa Olison and everything that's uh, gone on recently in Formula 1. I still think it has to be the Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari news that that really is massive. Uh, you know, you, you don't get like an iconic athlete like Lewis Hamilton switching teams in any sport every day. And uh, Lewis, in many ways, um, just because who he is and what he's done in Formula One kind of transcends the sport to a certain degree. So I think that's uh, really massive as well. I mean, uh, to me, Lewis to Ferrari is like some some of those big uh, news, uh, you know, stories we hear in other sports, like, you know, with Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi or LeBron, you know, that, that sort of scale, right? So great question. So uh, the next one comes from uh, Roberta Moray. Uh, so is Alonso on Mercedes would be awesome, but it's realistic. Good question. I don't know if it is realistic or not. I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, second uh, one from Roberto is, is there any indication Red Bull would ever sell V-Carb? Um, I don't know. <laughs> something we've talked about for years. Something that, uh, that uh, you know, we've never really been fans of. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like they have any motivation or any reason to do so, do they? And then finally, Roberto's last point, new Concord agreement, will it make the sport better or the teams richer? And I think it will certainly be the latter. You know, making the teams richer, it just uh, seems that, you know, I, I hate, to, hate to be kind of like cynical when it comes to these sorts of things, but I always just feel that whenever the teams sign up to something like that, that they only seem to be really enthusiastic or will even just sign the thing in the first place unless it wasn't uh, really, uh, you know, to their benefits and that uh, they weren't going to do very well financially out of it. So great, uh, great, great question. Thank you for that, uh, Roberto. Uh, next one comes from uh, Kevin Kelly at Kevin KGPK. Um, and uh, Kevin's tweet is, Mercedes just dump Hamilton now. He's going to be useless for you this year unless team meetings won't help uh, to give any incredible input and just get Alonso to drive in 2024. Forget about the bad blood. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, thought. I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can't see them dumping uh, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, that, that would, uh, I think, uh, you know, Right. When it comes to that, I was just sort of thinking that Lewis's fans, like, um, you know, Team LH, they're more Lewis fans than I think they are Mercedes fans. You know, I think that's, uh, I think most of us kind of realize that. But I mean, could you imagine just the uproar from the, from the, 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 the Hamilton fan base if Mercedes dumped him? And just the like the PR nightmare. I mean, that would just turn off so many people from from uh, uh, from Formula One. <laughs> it just would be a bad, bad PR move. But I, I totally get it too. I mean, 
I, I don't know if he's going to be useless, but you know, it's just, I kind of made the comment uh, last week that at some point, most of us, many of us have changed jobs, right? And we've gone in and given the boss our, our notice and it just feels different after you tell the boss that uh, you're, you know, you're, you're leaving, you're kind of in that, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that, that notice period before, you know, you, you go to your last day and then before you go to your next job. And I know I've, that's happened to be a couple of times where I'm like, I've given my notice and I'm just ready to, you know, you're running out the clock basically. Right. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, for Lewis, he's still going to be professional. I mean, he's achieved a lot with, uh, with Mercedes. And, uh, although, you know, obviously that there, everybody knows at this point, this is going to be his last year. I still think, uh, he's going to just uh, be as professional and as uh, motivated as, uh, as ever. Okay. Thank you for that, uh, Kevin. Uh, next one comes from, uh, Matthew at, uh, Matt and Felder, uh, just uh, talking about the, the car reveals the delivery launches. And Matthew says needs to be more color on these cars. F1 needs to step in. If a kid is watching, it's just boring, more color. So I'm guessing that Matthew must be either from Canada for the UK because, uh, color is C L O U R. So regardless, uh, you know, where you're from, thank you uh, for, for the tweet. Um, next tweet comes from Jason Holderbaum and, uh, at Jason Holderbaum one. And, uh, the question is, uh, or the tweet is if Christian Horner leaves Red Bull, how much does that affect them throughout the season? I don't think anything at first, but as upgrades happen, could they fall behind? Or are they just so far ahead of everybody? It will not matter. Yeah. Great question. I mean, uh, at some point if, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, fired and, uh, he's not with that uh, team anymore at, at some point that's going to, you know, you know, catch up to them. You know, you need solid leadership at the top of that, uh, at the top of a formula one team and you'll know, love him or hate him. I mean, Christian Horner has done a great job as team principal for, for Red Bull in the 20 years that, um, that he's been there. I mean, Look at all the races that they've won. Look at all the championships that they've won. All the records that they've broken. And uh, look at the people that uh, have raced and worked for that team. I mean, there, there's some big, big names there. And uh, if you know he's forced to leave the team because of that, uh, you know, the allegations of inappropriate and unprofessional conduct, then yeah, it it may not be felt today or tomorrow or necessarily this week or next month. But at some point, that's going to catch up with them. And I don't think that they, uh, uh, you know they would recover from that, uh, all that uh, easily. Even if you brought in another uh, team principal, like a Gunther Steiner or a Mattia Bonato or not Mar Safnar, the point is they're not Christian Horner. They wouldn't have had the, the, the time that he's had in the team. And he's very much as part of the team and the success as, uh, as anyone else. So a uh, great uh, question. Next one comes from uh Rhett B Jackson at Rhett underscore Baylor. Uh, question or the, yeah, the question is if Christian gets sacked then who in your mind is the leading candidate to, to replace him. Yeah, good question, right? I mean, uh, I've I've dropped those names a couple of times. Bonato, Steiner, Safnauer, all three of them. Who would be that person to to kind of slot in, and who would fit in best to to do take that job there? I mean, it's it it's a rare person that uh, you you find that that has all the um, all the skills and the, the the characteristics that you need to be a team principal in Formula One. And, uh, you know, out of those three or potentially others, you know, 
Great question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, for the you know the the, the cult of Gold, Gunther Steiner, I'm sure like all the Gunth, the, the top Gunth fans would want to see him uh, back at uh, at the helm there. But uh, I really don't know. Uh, another one from a similar vein. So thank you for that, uh, Rhett. Uh, similar tweet, uh, you know, from uh, Tim Gonzalez at Evil Ducks seventy eight. Every dynasty falls. Could Christian this Christian Horner news cause the downfall of Red Bull? Yeah, absolutely. If that's uh, what what happens uh, in the end. Um, there's another one here from, uh, etops at underscore, underscore, etops, underscore, underscore. That's a, a mouthful, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, weighing in on, uh, replying to, uh, some of Rhett's, uh, tweets here, just, uh, you know, taking it, well, who would, uh, you know, immediately, uh, take over and etops makes a good point. Gunther Steiner was the team principal at Jaguar before, uh, the team was sold to Red Bull in 2005. And that's when Christian Horner uh, took over his team, uh, principal. Steiner moved to tech uh, technical director for a year, and then uh, and then he uh, uh, left after that. So who knows? Uh, you know, Etops even speculates that Adrian Newey. I don't know. I mean, uh, would, would Newey would that be in his wheelhouse to be a, a Formula One team principal? I don't know. Certainly, very very successful as a, as a designer. I mean, uh, how many cars, championship winning cars, and race winning cars has uh, Adrian Newey designed or been involved with? over the course of his illustrious career a lot right but uh yeah interesting uh you know thank you for for bringing up the, that uh, that connection obviously uh, uh, a very uh, important one and it's it's funny here because the the, the picture that Etops uh, put in there is a much younger looking Gunther Steiner and a much younger looking Christian Horner and and it's funny i mean apart from a little bit more salt and pepper in the hair and maybe a few more wrinkles uh, yeah i Honestly, I'm thinking that uh, that Gunther's aged a little bit more uh, gracefully than uh, than Christian Horner. I mean, the the stress that people must uh, go uh, undergo, like being a team principal in Formula One. I mean, you know, they they both you know obviously the picture was taken that looks about 20 years ago. So you know, time in general, people age obviously, but you know, I mean, there's some deep deep lines etched in both of their their faces, but. Uh, <laughs> It's funny, the big smile in Gunther's uh, uh, face looks just as genuine and as big as the smiles that, uh, that you see on Gunther uh, even in, uh, in recent times uh, um, on, uh, on Drive to Survive and all the recent interviews as well, even uh, subsequently from uh, his departure from Haas F1. Anyhow, everyone, it's uh, almost uh, 11.30 Pacific time here on uh, a Thursday night in Vancouver, Canada. It's time to to wrap it up. You know, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into this pod. I'm going to sit here now for at least a couple of hours tidying this one up before it uh, gets uh, posted uh, later on. Anyways, thank you one and all for for listening. Thank you all for uh, you know continuing to support the show. Thank you for your emails and for your tweets. I'll be back again. Uh, I'm not sure when. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Like I say, when I wake up in the morning and see what the news cycle has for the latest, biggest story in uh, Formula One history or the biggest story this week or sometimes even the, the big story of the day. And it seems like there's sometimes multiple big stories in a day. So we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly looking forward to coming back uh, in a couple of days on Sunday night as we usually do. And then, uh, again, as we get uh, closer and closer to the start of the season uh, next week, like I said, I uh, have another uh, special uh, guest uh, coming in to sit in on the show for a week. And, uh, again, we're inching pretty quickly towards the start of the season, and it won't be too long before we start making season predictions and race 
previews, shows, and things like that. So certainly looking forward to getting back into the uh, the, the swing of things and uh, getting back to racing again. And I sure hope, I just want for, what is it, uh, a little bit of novelty, a little bit of a difference compared to last year that even if Max and Red Bull crush it again this year, could we just not have somebody else win at least the first race or the first couple of races or something? Give us hope that even though if Max wins it again, that there may actually be a competition and some resistance offered along the way to make him uh, work for it uh, a little bit more than uh, he's had to. Not that it's easy just to go out there and drive a Formula One car because that's always a little bit uh, difficult. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, that's it for me. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in touch, uh, by all means do so. Get in on X at ScooteryF1Pod or send an email, email pardon me, at ScooteryF1Pod at gmail.com. That's a wrap, everyone. Have a great weekend. Talk to you again later. Bye for now.